Welcome to the U.S. Fire Journal Podcast. We offer views and opinions on the fire service around the world with no topic too tough to handle. Visit us at usfirejournal.com for all your fire service information. Now, here's your host, Jay. Good morning. Welcome into the podcast. Today is Saturday. It's November the 19th. 2022. It has been a little while since I've done a podcast. Um, I had someone close to me uh, pass away, and uh, but I'm back. That's the most important thing uh, that uh, that we are back, and uh, we're going to dive into uh, what has been a heck of a few weeks. Um, something that I think is uh, a game changer. Um, there's been a lawsuit filed. Uh, I believe it's in Michigan. The firefighters arrived at a scene of a working fire, and uh, a search was initiated, as is the norm. It's the standard in the fire service. And uh, the search uh, did not turn up anyone. Two firefighters reported that the search was, was completed, no victims. During overhaul, or during, uh, yeah, during overhaul, I guess, uh, uh, victims were found. The firefighters and the fire department have been sued for failure to properly carry out a search. The two firefighters have resigned. And uh, this is, to me, uh, a Pandora's box. It's it will open fire departments up to these types of suits as uh, lawyers around the country look at this situation and decide, okay, well, if a client comes to me and someone's died in a fire, or when does it become, you know what, my house was destroyed and the fire department says they have adequate staffing, but they don't. The fire department uh, was supposed to be able to get water within the set amount of time, but they didn't. It is uh, going to, uh, in my opinion anyway, uh, create uh, some situations going forward. Now, there's a whole group of people who like this. There's a whole group of people who don't. Um, From the people who like it, I believe that their opinion is that um, this will hold fire chiefs and cities uh, to a strict accountability for what they say they can do. We all know departments, they say that they can do these things, but typically they're pencil whip and training, they don't really care about operations, and it shows. Every fire they have is either a loss or a, a near-run thing, and uh, that's just the way that goes sometimes. Uh, what this lawsuit, and I think the people who support this type of thing will will uh, use as an argument is that this will expose these types of people. This will expose these types of departments who are getting taxpayer money but can't really do the job. Then you have the group of people who's opposed to it who say that firefighters do the very best they can, oftentimes with limited resources, and that uh, attorneys and, and people like that, they don't really understand the fire service. I think there can be truth to both points, uh, to both positions. Um, I think people and departments that don't do well 
And I'm not talking about what your ISO rating is. That's immaterial to whether a fire department can actually fight firemen, let's be honest. It's window dressing is what it is. And it's nice to have, make no mistake. But from a practical standpoint, there are departments out there that not, are not ones and twos, but they fight fire. Um, and, and they save buildings, they save people. There are those out there that are class one, as we all are aware, that are crap when it comes to actually doing the job. So, so you have that struggle between those who want to look good and those who are good. Um, and I, I guess there's an argument that, you know what, this will put those people in their place, but I, I don't believe so. Here's my take on it. Firefighters have a difficult job. Oftentimes, leadership is the impediment to success. Sometimes it's the firefighters. But more often, if you find a poor fire department or a department that struggles to do the basics, um, you'll find poor leadership. It's just the way it is. You'll find uh, that uh, there's poor morale or low morale and obvious safety issues, obvious operational issues. That's no secret. But I wonder how many good firefighters and good departments will be caught up in this type of thing. That's why I tend to say, I don't know about this. I think it's a Pandora's box. We all know firefighting is not sterile. It's not, it's not done in a sterile environment. Um, you can have all the books in the world, but that's not how a fire goes. You can have all the experience in the world and you're still going to lose people. Buildings are still going to burn. Because it's not done in a laboratory. It's done in the real world. No fire code is perfect. No fire wall is perfect. No search is perfect. No hose stream is perfect. The bottom line is it's all situational. In, in the particular case that I, that I cited in Michigan, I, I'm not sure exactly what happened. I, I think that's going to come out. Um, I've reached out to somebody there I know, and, and hopefully I'll be able to do a podcast on it, but I want to make sure that I've gotten all the information that I, I can get from them. And I guess here's the other thing. Look, we're a litigious society. People want to sue all the time. I listen to people constantly. Well, I'm going to sue this department, or I'm going to sue the city, or I'm going to sue the county, or I'm going to sue this, or I'm going to sue that. And unfortunately, uh, some of these people go and do that. And what they tend to do is tie up the court system and not get verdicts that, that they really want. But when loss of life, civilian or, or uh, firefighter happens, all bets are off. In fact, when severe injuries occur, all bets are off. I've been asked over and over, why don't you get involved in more um, you know, places where departments maybe screw up and the house burns or whatever? For me, it's safety. If there's a safety violation or violations, I'll get involved. Um, if it's a hazard to firefighters where morale becomes so low that, that things just aren't working, sure, I mean, I get involved. I talk with reporters all the time. I really do. I talk with a lot of reporters, um, a lot of people who are anxious to do good stories and do do good stories. But again, for me, there has to be 
a life safety aspect. Otherwise, it's, it's just not worth it. So, these lawsuits, good or bad? Well, when you tell people that you perform search and rescue, you're a fire department, your job is to put out fires. Your job is to go inside and put out fires. Your job is to affect ventilation successfully. Your job is to get water to the scene successfully. All these things are firefighter jobs. They are, and it's something the fire department has to be able to do. When they can't do it, and there are injuries or loss of life, then you have a big problem. And it's interesting how many departments lose houses or buildings because they give up early too early they're like oh man look it's burning we can't afford to send our guys inside well maybe not but maybe it's time for a change in that kind of philosophy the bottom line is i think we're going to see more of these lawsuits i think we're going to see them soon and i think that they have the capability of changing the fire service i do a lot of people are cocky. They think they own their city, their town, their department. You know, they do, and, and they're very cocky. And you have a lot of people who don't like that. People like that will end up losing in the end. They will. It's just the way it goes. With respect to Michigan, I don't know the whole story, the whole situation. And I feel for the firefighters there genuinely, genuinely trying to do the best job they possibly can. It feels horrible to go in and search for somebody and not be able to find them. That's a horrific feeling. And to then get sued, and then, I mean, I, I don't know that how the resignation came about. If it was, yeah, you better resign, or yeah, I better resign. However that works out, you've lost your career now. Um, that That's a tough thing to go through. It might make some people a little... Uh, wary of trying to get into the fire service it might make the next person go you know what yeah this building's pretty well gone but i'm gonna try because i don't want to get sued and they end up getting hurt or killed i don't think there's any way of directly uh, uh, following that kind of statistic because you don't know who's heard what and when and where but it can become a troubling uh, item in the future for uh, firefighters around the country we will keep in touch with that story. Here's another one. Um, this came out of Moorhead. Um, I believe it was six company officers and one battalion chief have written to the city manager stating that uh, the candidates who are in line to become the next fire chief, two of them, they don't feel... Um, are cut out to lead the department. I believe the two candidates that they mention are both in-house, which is, I guess, to some people extraordinary. But it really isn't, because here's the bottom line. Chiefs have a job to do. The whole staff has a job to do. Ultimately, though, 
they're there to support the people at the tip of the spear. That's the operational firefighters. Those are the people who are uh, most important. It's just the way it is. Firefighters carry a lot of weight. In many cases, they carry more influence than they know. In this case, um, these company officers who were leaders in the department reached out to the city manager to voice their concerns. That is a heck of a thing. I've seen it happen before and I've seen it go both ways. I've seen it be very successful. And then I've seen where things weren't so successful. But here's the bottom line. If you're a leader, don't forget, you lead because of the people who follow you. And oftentimes, when a leader got, has gotten rid of, it's because no one will follow you any longer. It's important to think about those things because a lot of leaders feel, again, that they are insulated. Nobody will ever get rid of me because I've been a great whatever. Ten minutes later, you're out the door looking around going, what happened? I'll tell you what happened. You happened. You know, uh, people look around and they go, yeah, that person's not a good leader because they yell and scream. That's not what makes a, a leader good or bad. Um, others go, yeah, this leader's bad because, you know, they're friends with everyone. Uh, that doesn't make a, that's, that's not the deciding factor in leadership either. The deciding factor in leadership is accomplishing the mission and taking care of your people. A lot of people have, have problems with that. And to me, that's, that's a safety violation. You know, it is. If, if officers are not taking care, if the, if the people at the head of the department are not taking care of firefighters, that's a huge issue. It really is. And it cries out for change. And in this case, you had people who put their, their names and careers on the line. And I respect that. I can't tell you how many times people will come and say, yeah, you know, this, this situation's horrible and something needs to be done. And my first response is, what do you want to do? Oh, well, I couldn't possibly do anything. I've got a career to think about. Oh, okay, well, have a good day. Sorry. You know, if you feel the courage of your convictions, if you do, then pony up, you know, get on the saddle and ride in. If not, stay where you're at and continue griping, but just know that the griping, if you're not willing to do anything, doesn't mean anything. Now, this is not to say that if you have a gripe that you should automatically go and demand things. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about in extraordinary situations. Then, you know, if you have a belief in something, then do it. Say something. Do something. Otherwise, you're, you're no better than the people who sit around and wait to be saved. You know, if you can't help yourself, if you don't have that in you, then best not to say anything at all and stay where you're at. Know your role. And your role's not as a leader. It's not as a change agent. It's none of those things. Your role is what you are. And what you've done in your past uh, helps to inform what people look at you in your future. 
some people want to raise hell just to raise hell. They will argue something that is benign and absolute. They'll argue the smallest point. That's not leadership either. That's not speaking up. It, it really isn't. Um, that's just being ineffective. You're no different than the person who never speaks. If you speak about everything, if everything is is this huge argument, then, then you're as bad as the person who doesn't speak. Now, here I'm talking about people who really believe that there are wrongs or future wrongs. Sometimes you do have to stand up. When you do, you got to do it powerfully. Day before yesterday, um, I got a, an email with a video in it, and it was showing a, a brush truck. Uh, it's a Skeeter brush truck. I don't know if you've heard of Skeeter, S-K-E-E-T-E-R. I believe they're out of Texas. And uh, this person sent me a, a video of, of their brush truck uh, battling a brush fire, and it was impressive. And uh, I thought, you know, now's a good time to talk a little bit about brush trucks. We're not in brush truck season, obviously, but we're in the season where you might want to plan for your brush truck uh, in the future. And, and to be sure... Um, Different people have different ideas of what a brush truck is. It used to be, and in some places it still is, unfortunately, you grab an old pickup truck and you pull it out and you throw a skid unit in it and you say, look, it's ominous dominus, that's a, that's a, uh, it's a brush truck. And in some cases, in very rural areas, that, that can serve well. It really can. But remember when I talked about litigious before? There are people now, firefighters, who are pretty smart about this stuff. I guess they're smart. They take photos of the trucks that are being used. They look at the weight. They look at the weight of a skid unit. They look at the weight of a water tank. All these things, and they go, huh, you know, this brush truck's not up to snuff. It really isn't. It's overweight. Um, it's rarely serviced. It's a piece of crap. And they do that, and they mark it down, typically. Some of them journal it, put it in a safety deposit box, or leave it with their spouse. And they say, if something happens, show this to whomever, lawyer, media, whatever. This happens more often than people think. It happens a lot more now than it ever did. But here's the thing. It is not unreasonable for firefighters to expect that the brush trucks that they're driving, that they should be safe and that they should be roadworthy. You know, when you have a small volunteer department out in a rural area that doesn't really have a budget at all, I mean, they don't, you know, it's, they do what they can. These types of things are understandable. They have to happen. Nobody likes it, but it has to happen. You get to departments, even volunteer departments that are that have a good budget, um, then it's inexcusable, really. And part of uh, this new generation of brush trucks is making sure that they are roadworthy, that they are designed and engineered to carry the weight, that they are designed and engineered to go off road. Water has water tanks have a have a funny way of, of acting on vehicles. We all know that from fire, from fire apparatus. Brush trucks are no different. 
basically, if you take a stock unit and you start loading it up, and it's anywhere near being overweight, now you have a substantial issue. What tires are needed? Um, when you change out a tire, you're just going out and buying the cheapest tire you can get. I know departments that do. The, the, the tires aren't actually uh, rated for what they're doing. Um, oftentimes, the brakes aren't. Oftentimes, especially in hilly terrain, you have brush trucks that are absolutely, you know, completely out of their league when trying to climb hills. And it's because the truck was not designed to do it. Now, I don't care how well designed a, a vehicle is. You can roll it. You can wreck it. You know, you can. Um, look how much money was spent on the space shuttle. We lost two of those. So it's not that just money. It's money and a quality brush truck. One of the reasons that I mentioned Skeeter, mentioned Skeeter is because I've looked at two or three of their rigs and I've been impressed with them. Um, they're not the only ones out there making good brush trucks at all. But from what I've seen, they do make a good one. And that's important. So when I, I look at companies that do do brush trucks, and there's other companies out there, uh, plenty of other companies out there, that will take a vehicle, they have their engineers, they know what they can put on there, um, the equipment is up to date, it's modern, but I don't care what you buy, doesn't matter. You can buy any truck, any brush truck in the world. Doesn't matter. From day one, you have to take care of it. Preventive maintenance. Important. Um, oil changes. Good tires. And here's where departments are like, ah, you know, I hate buying these trucks because then we have to maintain them. Yeah, you do. And if you don't, it shows. One of the things that I enjoy doing when I travel somewhere, if I happen to stop off at a fire station, I do it all the time. Walk in, look at a fire, look at fire apparatus. And by looking around, you can tell which trucks are taken care of. And I don't mean the trucks that are squeaky clean and armor all. Not, that's not what I'm talking about. That means you clean your trucks a lot, which is fine. Nothing wrong with that either. But I'm talking about trucks that are maintained, that are taken care of mechanically. It's not hard to see. I had a guy from uh, who was an apparatus uh, architect, whatever you want to call him, engineer, tell me one time, he says, start at the tires and work up. And so that's what I do. Oftentimes, if I'm in a fire station, I walk around, I'm looking underneath, just, just looking. But it tells me something about the quality of the apparatus maintenance. That's a key. Every firefighter in the department, but especially the drivers and officers, should know how often their rigs require service. Should know when. And here's the thing. We are all aghast when a, when a plane crashes. We are. We hate it. Um, and we go, huh, well, why wasn't it maintained? Let's, what's the first thing the NTSB does? They pull maintenance records. They pull everything. Um, they pull everything. They're looking at it. When was it last maintained? When was the airframe checked? Everything on and on and on. And once a company gets a reputation for, for skipping those types of checks, well, it's a dark, dark reputation. It's difficult to get rid of in the aviation world. 
But we see the same thing here in the fire service. Um, we see ladder trucks careening down a hill and hitting a building and killing uh, a longtime firefighter. And we realize the rig wasn't maintained. It was in bad shape, and everybody knew it. And so for all the pontificating of how great our department is or how great you know, our apparatus are and how great our people are, the bottom line is it's all very visible to people who know what to look for. So ask yourself this. How confident are you when you get on one of your department's apparatus? When you get in the brush truck, or you get on a ladder, or you get on a tiller, um, on an engine, whatever the case, rescue, whatever the case may be, how, how much does your department care about you? Because those answers are the answers that matter. Do your leaders care about you? They care about your safety? Or are they flirting with disaster? Good question. Anyway, that's going to do it for today. Oh, one more thing. I don't know if you've seen it, but I believe it was in Peru. A, uh, I think it was an A320, Airbus A320 was taking off. It's on its takeoff roll, so that means it's, it's moving at a good clip. And airport fire apparatus rolls right into its path. And the, the I believe it was A320, it hits the fire apparatus, destroys it, kills two firefighters. The plane, the wing bursts into flames, um, but I believe all the people got off the aircraft. And airport firefighting is, is, a, is a funny thing in many ways. It is probably truer of them than anywhere, that it is absolute long moments of sheer boredom punctuated by just absolute chaos and terror. I feel for the two uh, Peruvian firefighters and their families. I want to send out my condolences. And it's one of those things that, that certainly here in the United States, um, the NTSB, the FAA, everyone would be on this trying to figure out who gave permission for this fire truck to cross over or who gave the permission for the aircraft to launch its takeoff roll. Um, it's a horrific thing. But it, it shows how quickly life changes for firefighters. One moment, you're on a call. Next moment, there's a fire apparatus that's been destroyed. Two people have died. Sobering. We'll be back Tuesday with another podcast. Until then, stay safe.